everyone. Welcome to Grow Up. This is a podcast dedicated to healing and nurturing the child within us while lovingly and respectfully raising the child that's in front of us. Are you ready? It's time to grow up. This is episode number one. Ah, No pressure, right? I've only been teasing it and talking about it for weeks now. So Hopefully, all you out there listen to this and are, all your expectations are met. I've been waiting for, I don't know, apparently the sky to open and unicorns to start flying and the angels to sing and rainbows to shoot across into my house for me to get the sign to start the podcast. Um, and then I realized, you know what? There's not going to be a perfect time. Life's happening. Life continues to happen all the time. When you think it's going to be a good time, something throws you a curveball. And finally, I just decided to bite the bullet and sit down and record this podcast for you all. So it's not for lack of wanting to. It's just taken me a little bit to to get there. So yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. I'm, I'm actually a procrastinator by nature. I was talking with a friend of mine last night about how as much as I try to be different my whole life, I almost need to be under the gun to really buckle down and do something. And I don't know. I don't know what that really means for me. Maybe that's something I should bring up in therapy. But yeah, it's hard for me to really focus and put out my best work, in my opinion, unless I have kind of a fire lit under my ass, to be honest. So I decided to light my own fire, and here I am ready to record episode number one. So thanks for being here with me. Um, my name is Amy. I guess I should start there, and I'm so excited that you're here. Um, so I guess what led me to starting this podcast to begin with is one day I decided to kind of step into my truth as being a parent of an only child. As you know, um, well, a lot of you, I guess, will know, uh, Jess from Only You Podcast is a friend of mine, and I guess through listening to her podcast over the last few months and getting to know her and her story, it kind of helped me accept the truth that has been in my heart for a long time with my own son. Um, My husband and I have been leaning towards being one and done for a very long time now, And I I guess I was kind of had all these different thoughts about it and preconceived notions and things like that. And it was just one day where she put something up on her social media and I felt compelled to share it. And it was kind of one of those moments I'm sure you can relate where you're about to like, I don't know, I felt like I was like ripping the pin out of the grenade and like throwing the grenade. Like it felt like I was about to unleash some like you know, floodgate of emotion from loved ones or friends and family to kind of step into my truth and put that post from Jess, kind of reshare it and put it out to the universe that, you know, we were committing to being one and done. And before doing so, I was a little panicky. I'm an anxious person by nature. So, you know, so thankful all the time for my husband, my partner, who is amazing and so level-headed um almost to a fault I would say that he was like yeah just do it like f it let's go just put it out there who cares but who cares what people think 
And so, yeah, in a moment of bravery, I posted that we were one and done and honestly didn't get much feedback, which I guess is great. Um, except I had a couple people, you know, respond to it on the positive side. And one of those people was an old family friend of ours who is a mother to an adult, now an adult only child, who's also a friend of mine. And she reached out to me and kind of was just bonding over that feeling like, oh my gosh, I remember when we made that decision and I remember the kickback I received from it and, you know, kind of had a similar, they ran in a similar crowd because this, her daughter went to school at the same school I went into. So just talking about the different judgments that were placed on people in that crowd and things like that. So we get talking, it kind of segues into this respectful parenting talk and this family friend who is a musician and also has her own podcast um, was like, you know, you should really start a podcast. I think that would be awesome for you. And I don't know what came over me, but I'm like, yeah, totally. I absolutely should do that. <laughs> um, and I kind of just started running with this idea. So I met up with her and we got talking about the potential of my idea. And she was, ex- you know, saying how she supported it and thought that was something people would really enjoy. And so I kind of had this running idea for a few months in the back of my head, like, am I going to start a podcast? Like, is, is that what I'm doing right now? Who am I? Why would I do this? Um, and then, yeah, I kind of reached out to Jess. We had DM'd each other here and there over the course of her podcast and just kind of threw a Hail Mary and was like, hey, I'm thinking about doing this thing and I know absolutely nothing And if you have any, literally any, (laughs) advice, I would be game. So if you could send me some advice over, that would be awesome. I was thinking she wouldn't have time or she would say like, yeah, it's great. You should do it. Or here's the microphone that I have. Get this brand or something like that. And instead, Jess being the warm, amazing, positive, supportive person that she is, Um, was like, hey, you want to like chat on Zoom on Friday? And again, me, not like me at all. I'm like, yeah, sure. Absolutely. Let's talk on Zoom. And I don't know what has been coming over me when it comes to this stuff. I almost feel like the universe is just standing behind me and shoving me down this path because as much as I extrovert very well, I am actually an introvert. And I hate phone calls. My sister will be the first one to tell you that, you know, if she was in dire need of me, like, I don't, if someone's chasing you, like you're being chased by a murderer, you should shoot me a text. (laughs) Not really. But I mean, the chances of me answering my phone are pretty slim to none. And when I do, she is very like, are you okay? Like, what's going on? Like, you answered the phone. Like, wow, okay. So the fact that I was about to get on a Zoom call, with a stranger across the other side of the country to talk about something that was like a pipe dream that I know actually nothing about was something I would never just sign up for. But I did. Jumped into it. So, okay, cool. So chat with Jess. Got on the Zoom call. It was like we knew each other our whole lives. Um, And we talked for like three to four hours on Zoom. The only reason we got off was because it was like one in the morning where I'm at. And 
she had to go record her podcast and was like, yeah, I kind of need to go. And it just became this thing. So Jess was so supportive and I kind of got launched into this path. The next day I was getting a manicure with a dear, dear friend of mine, my manicurist. And she's like, hey, I have this microphone. I used to, she used to um, stream gaming and she hasn't done it in a long time and she had moved and it was still in a box in her parents' house and she's like, hey, like, do you want this microphone? I mean, until I need it again, you can totally have it. It's like a really nice microphone. It was like the universe was just like sending me signs and um, it was kind of wild to see people talk about that all the time and I think until you're on that path and it's happening to you, you're like, oh, wow, like this is just opening up. Like, I feel like this has been very easy. Like I kind of stepped into my truth and all of a sudden these doors are opening. So um, shout out to Alex who gave me my microphone. Uh, But yeah, so she gives me the microphone next day. So that was Saturday. Next day, Sunday, get a text from Jess. Hey, how's it going? Have you thought more about the podcast? Yeah, my girlfriend gave me a... Uh, microphone and she's like okay well um, I kind of need a co-host would you ever want to co-host this podcast with me my husband Pierce who usually co-hosts is off for the night and I'm like yeah sure again it's like in my mind I'm going okay pump the brakes Amy what the hell are you talking about why are you like you can't co-host this podcast what are you doing and Jess is like, okay, great. So I'm going to put Penny to bed and like in a couple hours, like I'll call you and we'll do, do the podcast. And I'm internally panicking. Like, wait, you meant tonight? Like right now? Yeah. So just launch like your Instagram, get it going. And so that you have something to plug and let's do this. And... <laughs> I get, you know, we're text messaging. I walk into the room and I tell my husband, Tom, I'm like, so I'm about to like co-host this podcast with Jess, who I just talked to two days ago. And I guess I'm doing this. Like this is happening, which was exactly what I wanted and what I put out into the universe. Um, But I guess I, I was like, this is like, it was zero to 60. Here we go. You better launch the Instagram. You better get that platform going because we're doing this. So Yeah, I guess all this to say I am a crazy procrastinator and it wasn't until I was pretty much thrown into it, thanks Jess, that um, this came to be. But I'm so happy that it is and that I am here and doing this. I've received so much positive feedback from so many of the Instagram followers in the last couple weeks and people just feeling like they can relate and that heard my podcast co-hosting with Jess on that episode of Only You um, and really could relate. So I'm just so happy to have everybody here. And yeah, so I did that on a whim and this is where we are. I don't know if I already told you this, but if I didn't, my name is Amy. I would hope that I led with that, but it's, it's escaping me now. So yeah, my name's Amy. I'm a procrastinator. Welcome to my podcast. <laughs> um, that being said, if as I'm talking this during this podcast and you are feeling compelled to write in, I would love to hear from people. Um, you can reach me either via DM at my Instagram, which is at grow.up.ig, 
or you can also shoot me an email on my Gmail, which is thegrowuppod at gmail.com. So if I'm talking about anything and you're like, oh, that sounds like me or yes, you know, I agree with this. Let me tell her my story or, hey, I'd love to hear more about that or, hey, have you ever thought about this? Or I think this person would be great to interview, things like that. Um, I would love, love, love to hear from people. So please do not hesitate to write in, give me feedback, let me know how I can support you better. Um, Any of those things would be wonderful. I plan to have interviews on this podcast. I plan to read emails on this podcast as jumping off points for the episodes. So if there's anything that you feel like you have to offer and bring to the table, I would love to hear from you. So please, please um, reach out about that. That being said, this podcast is for everyone, every single person. I don't care whether you're you're a parent or you're not a parent, um, old, young, any color, any gender, anything. I I made a post about that recently. This is for you. I have moms, dads, I have people who never are wanting children, people who, you know, are struggling with infertility, people who aren't parents yet, people who aren't you know, are single, anything. I don't, it doesn't matter. This is for you. I would love to hear from all different walks of life. I think that although my experience is as a parent that has really shaped the way I've come into my own, and I'll be talking about that a lot, this is absolutely not just for parents. I think it's for anybody who has an open mind and is willing to look in the mirror and challenge themselves. So if that is you and you are out there and you're thinking like, should I be listening to this? Is this for me? Like, yes, it's for you. Write in. Tell me about yourself. Let's go. Um, so I guess I should tell you a little bit about just my upbringing. Um, I am from the metro Detroit area, which means I don't live in Detroit proper, but I am just outside of Detroit, Michigan. And um I am one of three children. I'm a middle child. Shout out to all my black sheep middle children out there. I know that you have a complex just like me. It's okay. There is therapy for that. It's a wonderful thing. Um, And I have two living parents who are married and we lived a, or are living, lived, I don't know, a very um, middle class, maybe even a little upper middle class um, upbringing and I went to private school my whole life. Um, so that was, you know, definitely has shaped my experience. My family, um, I guess they would consider themselves Catholic or Christian. I am not a religious person whatsoever. That will probably come out in some of this. Um, that's not to say either way is right or wrong. I'm just kind of letting you know a little bit about myself. Um, and yeah, that's kind of the lens that I'm looking through. So I am a cisgendered white woman. Um, So there's that. Um, I think growing up, especially with the Catholic upbringing and just the times, I was born in 86. So growing up, you know, in that time, you know, women were still kind of you were looking to be a mom, you know, or at least in my experience. I, I remember on those career days at school where you would come in like dressed up like what you want to be. And I would always fluctuate between I'd either be an artist, which 
I am creative. I am, oh, I should mention that. I'm a hairstylist by trade. Um, I would always also be a mom. I remember going into school with like bringing my baby dolls with me and it was just part of my identity. I think growing up, I always saw myself wanting, I always said four children because I think I really wanted three, but I was trying to avoid the single middle child aspect. Like I thought maybe if there's two kids in the middle, they would have a buddy. Um, But yeah, so I think I grew up always thinking I see myself as a mom. I've always been a nurturer. I've always been a caretaker. Shout out to my Enneagram number twos. That's me. And I think that was just such, when I looked forward into my life, I always saw multiple children. I always saw myself wanting to be like the room mom and wanting to take care of, you know, a carload of kids. That just kind of was what I saw. I have a career. I also envisioned myself possibly staying home and having a career that was flexible enough to enable, you know, me to have more freedom with my family. So even while thinking and setting up for my future before even meeting, you know, my partner, I realized that kids were always kind of the building block of that. Um, So I had... My husband and I were married in 2015. We have our son in 2017. He actually turns four years old um, on the 17th of this month. So it was almost four years ago that I got catapulted into motherhood. And I choose that word catapulted very um, purposefully because that's exactly how it felt. Um, So my son is born and I think between the rocky pregnancy I was high risk we'll talk about that I'm sure a lot on the podcast um my labor was okay it wasn't necessarily without complication um I had a scheduled c-section he was breech um and from that point he went to the NICU I was having blood pressure issues that was very scary for me. I was not um, completely healthy for a while. Still struggle with that, to be honest. But yeah, at that time, they were trying to get me not to have a stroke um, after I had my son. And getting him home from the hospital days later, um, he was in the NICU for a couple of days, and which I realized in the grand scheme of NICU life, shout out to the NICU moms and dads, um, it, that's a couple of days, seems like a drop in the bucket to what some people have to do for NICU stays. But we were very fortunate that we got out a couple of days with him and he was healthy um, and alive. So that was awesome. Um, anyways, sh- uh, taking him home, it was very apparent from the get-go that my child was, I want to say different, even though what is different, what is normal. But um, it was unlike what I thought it was going to be. And seeing other friends with children, seeing family members with children, seeing the way people kind of like ease into life and incorporate their child into their life, that was not necessarily the story for us. Um, My son's name is Vaughn. Vaughn has always been incredible. He was always adorable. We always were, you know, absolutely in love with him and all these things. But he has absolutely always been high needs. Um, He had reflux. He was, he just wasn't, um, 
wasn't soothed like as easily as I saw other children being soothed. Things that, you know, the classic things, the classic tales that everyone like, oh, do this. All babies love this, you know, blah, blah, blah. That was not my, my experience with my son. And after having such a rocky beginning and being catapulted, you know, out of the hospital and during that first week, we were back and forth at the doctors. I had to take him back in at the hospital for blood work because of jaundice, just all kinds of stuff. It just wasn't what I envisioned. It wasn't the start I envisioned. It necess- like I hate to say this, but it wasn't the child that I had envisioned in this fantasy of me being a mother and the four kids I had in my head, you know? Um, I had one, and as much as I was excited and in and, and love, I also was like, what's going on here? Because everyone else seems to be doing quote unquote better than than we are. We're not finding our groove as easily. So um, that was really hard. That was a hard thing. I think it's really, especially on your first child, I'm sure anyone who's a parent, whether you have one or several, you can realize like, when it's your first kid, you're, you don't know if it's like your kid going through something or like if you like made this happen so I think the and maybe that's just me maybe that's just my stuff again you know therapy but not knowing if that was something I brought upon you know is he is he fussy because I'm doing something wrong is he fussy because something's medically wrong I mean we had a kind of a crazy medical beginning that I kind of learned early on not to trust my mommy instincts because I was looking at a monitor in the NICU to tell me if he was okay so getting home with a child like that who is is fussy and very needy, even more so than, you know, most newborns are, um, that was really, it was a really interesting experience. It definitely shaped everything. So early on, I remember saying to my husband, like, and this was completely honest, saying to him, I'm so content. I could just be done with him. If we found out we were never able to have more children if we decided not to have any more children, I'm at peace with him. I love being his mom. I don't feel like I'm needing anything else. I don't feel like I'm needing more children. I'm not feeling like I'm incomplete. And it wasn't until talking to other moms who have multiple children that I realized that that wasn't just a new mom thing. Um, I've had talked to moms that had a baby and immediately after having their baby, didn't want another one right away, but thought, oh my gosh, like this is going to be great. This is the beginning of my family. I can't wait to have more kids and knew that they wanted more. They were going to continue on. They, they just gave birth to an older child and they'll have younger children to come. For me, I kind of waited for that to come and it wasn't um, with judgment per se. I just was very confused and people were like, oh, you know when you're done. You know when you want more kids. And I'm like, I don't know anything like this is my only does this mean that I'm done because I I don't feel this way I just was working through a lot of emotions while also trying to you know tend to my son's needs um and then as he got older I felt I honestly felt a little bit of relief because he he talked very early and he communicated very well as he was able I mean I swear to you even as an infant, he was, um, we fed him with formula, bottle fed fed with formula. And when he was crying sometimes, like he would be staring 
into our kitchen. Like we're in another room and he's like trying to make eyes into the kitchen until one day I'm like, wait a minute, does he want something from the kitchen? Like this is a, a three, four month old baby, you know, who's staring at exactly what he wants and is screaming. And I like would walk toward a bottle and like pick it up and he would calm down. And I'm like, oh, I think he's telling me something. And it was in that moment and then moments following that I was like, wait a minute, he knows exactly what he wants. I have a kid that there is no denying what he wants. He tells you exactly what and how and when. And if you don't do it, it's it's again and again and again until he gets his point across. Um, you know, in typical Leo fashion, right? His birthday is August 17th. So in typical Leo fashion, he will not go quietly. He will not be ignored. As challenging as that can be, it's also amazing. And I realized early on that I have a kid telling me exactly what he wants. I need to sometimes dial down my own stuff and take his lead. He knows himself better than I know him. You know, he knows what he wants. I remember him wanting teethers and knowing that that's what he was doing, needing a teether, cutting teeth or something. And it was like he would scream and scream and scream until I would show him like the one teether out of the six I was showing him that he wanted. And then he'd take it no problem. It was just so interesting to kind of be an observer in that and not, you know, necessarily take it out on him. And, you know, what's wrong with you? Why don't you take this one, this teether? It was like, no, he wants this one. He wants this other one. So I just had to kind of follow his lead. Um, it wasn't until maybe a couple weeks ago at almost four years old that we were walking around the block, my husband and, and Vaughn and I, and we were walking around the block and he was walking with us. And as I'm saying that, you all are probably like waiting for the story. Like, okay, you guys are on a walk. And then, and the point of my story is he was walking with us. That's the point. I don't think my child ever walked with us. I mean, literally in almost four years, the child runs constantly, um, running, riding his bike, like four houses down in front of us. And I'm like, red light, red light. You know, I'm so worried. I'm going to back out of their driveway and not see my son. Like he is I said this in the trailer. He's a human equivalent of a firework. He is on 100 all day long. Um, he doesn't stop moving. He doesn't stop running. He's a ping pong ball. He, you know, jumps off the bed, jumps off the couch. Um, everything is just amplified. Um, it wasn't until just recently that we have a diagnosis now of sensory processing disorder with him. He's a sensory seeker. Um, he's a very spirited and sensitive child. So he is so sensitive to the world around him. He takes in everything. He's been an observer since day one. He gets flooded and overwhelmed. The, he he has little, you know, antenna out, antennae, reaching into the atmosphere, getting all this feedback all the time about every single little thing. He's picking up on all of it, the smells, the sounds, all of it. And it's like he can't keep his body still. Like he has to process it and let it go. And letting it go means turning into a ping pong ball. So that's been our experience. So, you know, comes out just needing us all the time. Fussy, reflux, not a great sleeper. Busy, busy, busy. Doesn't like tummy time. Doesn't like baths. Oh my God, I bought three or four different baths for this child who I Googled at one point. 
can children be allergic to water? <laughs> oh my God. I It was summer. It was August. And I would give him baths. We'd have our windows open. And I seriously thought my neighbors would, would call the cops. Like he would scream. Nothing made him scream more. Even when he got his vaccinations, nothing made him scream like he screamed in the bath. And these are, you know, loving ancestor elder people going, oh, just give him a bath before bed. He'll calm down. Just give him, you know, a bath. I'm like, you have no idea. You don't know the kid that I'm dealing with. He he hated the bath. It wasn't until we signed him up for swimming lessons at around nine or 10 months that he even tolerated the water. And now he's a fish and he loves it. But, oh my God. And the other thing people always suggested oh take him for a drive in the car vaughn hated absolutely hated second to the bath the car if the car stopped moving at a yield sign at a stop sign anytime the car would stop moving screaming um we would laugh like we call him the prince of plenty he would sit in the back seat with all of the toys all the feeders all or teethers all the snacks the i mean everything music i mean what you name it we put it in his height or his car seat with him like just for like a trip to the mailbox i mean it was kind of ridiculous but we just had this child that he was like hey what about me back here this sucks i don't want to be back here and you're going to hear about it and that's just the kind of experience I was catapulted into. It wasn't until he was old enough to be turned forward that there was even any hope about the car ride. So those of you out there with a child that hates the car, I'm so sorry. I get it. It made things so hard because even just a trip to like Target, for especially as a new mom, I mean, now COVID, it's a lot different, but for like a lifeline, just to like get out of the house, to like everyone's like, oh, throw him in the car and go to Starbucks, like get yourself a coffee and he'll fall asleep. No. And the thing with Vaughn was always crying and unattended crying only heightened the situation. Um, all of this to say, I realized early on that he was not going to require conventional parenting. He needed something different. He was requiring me to dig really freaking deep. Um, and I think it was all along kind of solidifying this feeling of being one and done and knowing my limits and knowing that I wanted to show up for him in the best possible way. And, and therefore, I had to kind of pump the brakes on what my fantasy was of this family of three or four kids to know that I could be who I needed to be for my son. Um, so yeah, that's kind of like the background on my why, why I'm here, who we are, why I even started down this like respectful parenting path, this inner reflection on myself on how I need to clear out my own bullshit to show up better for him to be the, the mom that he's requiring me to be. Um, I think it's so easy, especially when you grow up in a conventional authoritarian model of parenting. I very often feel like I have almost like the cartoon devil and angel on my shoulders from the old school, you know, Looney Tunes or whatever. Um, when he's in these big moments, when he's in these challenging moments, he struggles when I'm struggling with him. It's like I almost have this like old school, I'm going to call it like fat white male on my shoulder because to me that represents like the patriarchy right like 
it's like the American way, like shut it down, you know, make him stop, make him get in line, don't fight back, don't, you know, you can't talk to me like that, spanking. Um, it's so funny because like instantly when I get triggered, and I'm sure you all can relate, it's like this little guy on my shoulder that's like, get this under control, shut it down, step up, you need to handle this child, he's not listening to you, you're failing, all these things. And as hard as it is to break my own conditioning with a lot of that stuff, the moments when I am able, and I say that very carefully, because there's some moments where you are able and you're like, you know what, I'm zipping up this, this suit, this armor, I'm putting it on, I'm going in. I'm going to handle this. I'm going to be cool, calm, and collected. I've got this. I have the energy to do this right now. And then there's other times where you are like one hair away from losing your goddamn mind and you can't do it. And that happens. And that's life. And we circle back and we we say that, you know, we apologize to our child for our shortcomings and we realize that we're human. But in those moments where you can show up differently, and step into parenting, or even if you're not parenting, maybe this is just about the way you handle your temper, the way you handle it with your your partner, the way you handle it at work, with your friends, with your parents, anybody, as an aunt, an uncle, anything. But the times that you step in as your authentic self, and you show up as the highest version of the person you want to be in the role that you are, and you're able to respond the way that you that feels right to you not the way that you were parented but the way that you want to parent in your highest ideal self there is nothing like it even if it doesn't go as as smooth as you hoped or even if the words are not smooth and you're fumbling whatever it is it's so empowering to be like you know what I chose different that little fat white dude on my shoulder that was like barking at me to be this authoritarian squash it, especially with like a little boy, right? Like the whole boys, you know, need to be tough. They need to, oh, he's gonna, you know, whatever. He's gonna, I, you know, you flash forward in your head. Oh, he's never gonna respect you. He's gonna be, you know, an angry white male when he grows up, like da 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 da. It's so easy to go there. And instead you say, no, I got this this is what I'm doing. I'm showing up for him with love. What are you needing? How can I be there for you? Let's work through this together. And every time you do that, the voice of the other one on your shoulder gets quieter and quieter and you feel stronger and stronger. When it's happened to me, when I was able to do that in my parenting, it's like, it's such a cool feeling because it's like the surreal, surreal feeling of being a cycle breaker in the moment. Um, just having that, that ability to choose and that ability to, to show up as your best self. And I realize that that's a privilege, you know, some people, you're single mothers, you are in, in very tense situations. I mean, the fact that I'm able to, to have the regulation in that moment to do so, I realize is a privilege, but when you are able, it feels absolutely incredible. Um, so yeah, I just had to kind of learn how to, to follow his lead, how to trust my child. I had to realize that he knows exactly what he needs. And that means even the acceptance of his meltdowns. He needs this meltdown. What's going on? I need to, instead of getting mad at his behavior and how he's acting right now, I need to dive in deep and figure out why are you acting this way? You know, there's a reason this is going on and trying to get to the bottom of that. 
Um, and yeah, I just had to kind of adapt and see the writing on the wall for who he is and challenging the fantasy of what I thought parenthood looked like, what I thought my child or children would look like, what I thought me as a parent looked like. I mean, I had these like visions of me like baking you know, cookies and like, you know, making homemade purees for my newborn. And, you know, we would like do these things together and he would just like sit there nicely and play with toys while I was like, you know, I don't know, cleaning the house or taking him to like the library for like quiet story time or like whatever. I would just like carry him with me if I wanted to go to like a festival downtown or something like and that's great. And if you have that baby, this is no shame. This is like, honestly, like a little even sliver of jealousy, like good for you. Own it. That is amazing. Um, it was just hard for me to see that happening in everybody else and have to trust that it's nothing I'm doing. It's nothing that is wrong with my child. He just needs something different and I need to step up differently. And I think sometimes spotting those fantasies in your head about anything, not just parenthood, um, relationships, marriage, um, your career, where you thought you would be in your life at a certain stage, you know, anything, just literally anything. Um, and having to kind of just like have this reflection of seeing it as it is and then adapting. Um, and yeah, I think this community, hopefully, like I said, if you're hearing something that's resonating with you, you reach out. I just hope that we can start to kind of tear down those walls a little bit and kind of normalize. I noticed that because of this type of child, because of this type of journey that I'm on, it feels lonely a lot of times. Um, not because no one wants to hang out with us, not because he's too much. I mean, honestly, he's incredible. We, people adore my son. I adore my son. He's charismatic. He's funny. He's amazing. Um, but I think it's just more of that inner, for me, that inner feeling of not being understood, feeling like I'm looking at all these other families that might look different, that people that didn't have these challenges that went on to have the three or four kids that I thought that I would have, um, the people that are able to like just let their kids sit there in the grass while they're like gardening and their kids just happy as a clam staring up at the clouds or the people that could you know paint fingernails you know quietly and listen to music that they like with their kid or bake cookies and it's not like this giant to do and like mess and your kids like running around naked like <laughs> I mean that's my child so I think I, I mean good for you I think that has been really, really hard for me. And it just feels lonely sometimes to know what we are up against and how much work we're doing behind the scenes. And then to feel sometimes like there's still judgment on the outside when people look at our parenting or look at our child or look at our lifestyle and have something to say about it. And they don't know how much shit that you are trying to, you know, handle, not only on a parenting front, but internally, how much I've had to reckon with myself to even be a sliver of what my son needs and to get him the assistance in terms of occupational therapy, things like that, that he needs to sort out his big feelings, to sort out his sensitivities, and to show up as the best version of himself. So I'm hoping that we can make this community um, of people that just realize that it's not one size fits all. 
It's not one way, and if you're not that way, then you're wrong, or something's wrong with you, something's wrong with your kid. That's not true. I hope that nobody feels that way. Um, yeah, and I think I can almost trace it back to when I was pregnant. You know, we get pregnant, and again, that's like the height of your fantasy, fantasy, right? You're fantasizing of like, is it a boy or a girl? What are you going to name them? What, you know, what are they going to look like? Oh, are they going to be like this or that? And I guess I always thought of like, oh, is he going to have your eyes or my eyes or my hair color, your hair color, like things like that. But it's so much deeper than that. And until you have the child, until you get to know them on a personal level, it's like, who gives a shit what they look like? Who gives a shit about any of that stuff? This is the stuff. This is the point where someone, when you see that quote that floats around every now and again about no one told me that, I, everyone told me I'd be meeting somebody different, but nobody, when I had a baby, but nobody told me that the person I would be meeting that's different is myself. And that is just huge. It's like, it's almost like I picture Vaughn as like this little like gift bundled up for me. And when you think of like a gift, the way it relates to parenthood. Like, oh my God, my baby, that's my gift. I love this baby. He's adorable and oh, happy, happy, happy and all these like wonderful things. And that is true. All of that is true. And thank God they're adorable and thank God they're all these things because how else would we get through? We're exhausted and we're like, you know, clawing our way out at this point. When, when you become a parent, you're like, what just happened? A bomb went off. Um... But I think it's deeper than that. I think the real present is like the way that you mesh together and the way that they challenge you to step up to the plate. What they need and the wounds that they touch in you that you might not have even known. I would never have gotten the lessons that I needed from Vaughn unless I had him. So there's things in my life, you know, um, I touched on it a little bit with Jess on the Only You podcast that I co-hosted. But um, my older brother died when we were teenagers. And I had, I mean, I've dealt with that for more than half of my life. I'll be 35 this year. And he died when I was 15. So more than half of my life, I've dealt with that baggage, with that particular wound. I thought I had like sliced and diced every single, you know, molecule of the you know, baggage of that that I was carrying. And then I had my son. And then it was like, oh, what is that? What, you know, what is that triggering? I didn't know I still felt that way. I didn't know that I still had this, this baggage. Um, and I guess that's the beauty of the children. You know, that when, when you have a baby, you think about uh, the that gift that's being given to you. It's a gift to look inward. It's a gift to level up. It's giving you the gift of insight and allowing you to take the challenge to be the highest version of yourself. Is it perfect? Absolutely not. Is it going to be perfect every single time? Absolutely not. Um, but I think that's just something to keep in mind that not this toxic positivity version of a gift. Like everything's wonderful all the time. You know, my baby is perfect. No, not that. In fact, I think the beauty is in the struggle and the beauty 
can be found there when you're able to find it. It's not going to be every single time. Um, we're all going to lose our shit. We're all going to not say the perfect thing. Um, even just recently, it was my my brother who passed away. His name is Scott. His birthday was on August 2nd. We, we went to the cemetery as we do every single year since my son's been born. And even this year, like I was not anticipating the questions that he came up with. And it's funny that as a three-year-old, almost four-year-old, it's like he's starting to grasp it. And we were there with, you know, my parents and my husband and my son and my sister and my brother-in-law. And that's kind of like our little unit. And so Vaughn was there with us and he actually really enjoys going to the cemetery, which is kind of odd. And I obviously don't think he really understands, but he thinks it's interesting and all the different stones. He thinks it's so cool. And it's in this like kind of... um, wooded area and it's got like a nature center and you can go on walks and he just thinks it's super cool and so we're at the cemetery and he and he knew it was uncle scott's birthday and we talk about uncle scott and he's seen pictures of uncle scott we don't dwell on it enough where it's like you know me cramming it down his throat to for him to acknowledge uncle scott but he knows that there is an uncle scott he knows that he's named in part after uncle scott and Um, he knew that it was his birthday and that's why we were all getting together. And it was the first time that he kind of looked around and he said, Mama, is Uncle Scott going to come here to be with us? And it's just one of those moments, again, like just to touch on not showing up perfectly. I was completely blindsided by that. I guess because we've talked about him so often that I figured he's never asked, where is he? You know, he's he knows he exists and he's never questioned why isn't he here? And I think I fumbled. I mean, I definitely fumbled. <laughs> I think I answered something along the lines of um, he's at the cemetery. His body is there, but his, you know, his body is gone or something like that. His body's gone, but his spirit is still here. And he followed it with, he's dead. And that just freaking blew my mind. Um, My son loves like Nightmare Before Christmas and the Addams Family and all that stuff. So he's very familiar with like, you know, tombstones and skeletons and things like that that are spooky. But this idea of like dead and him knowing what that meant when I said that his body is gone and that we're at the cemetery, it just really blew, blew my mind. My son is very smart, but it still blew my mind. And I said, yes, he's dead. And that was hard. I mean, just having to say those words point blank to your four-year-old or almost four-year-old, yes, he's dead. And he said, "Um, why? And I'm like, oh, shit, here we go. (laughs) You know, Um, and it was such a hard conversation. And I've talked to my therapist about this, you you know, hypothetically. Like, what will I say when? And of course, it's like when someone asks you your favorite song and you like you act like you've never heard music before in your entire life. You're like, uh, I don't know. I don't I don't even like music. What? Um, That's how I felt. He's like, why? And I'm like, oh, shit. What am I supposed to say right now? Um, And so I just said something along the lines of. Uncle Scott was very, 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 very sick. And it's the kind of sick that you don't you don't get. And you won't get. And you are safe. 
And he said, okay. And we moved on. And it was like, I replayed that conversation 10,000 times in my head. What could I have said better? Was that enough? Um, what did I even say? I mean, even I was recalling it. I'm like, what did I even say? It just kind of comes out. And um, I, I wanted to make a point to tell him the fact that he's very, very, very sick because he died from a very rare um, sickness, which obviously we'll talk about at some point on the podcast. But um, he needed to know that if he gets a cold next week, he's not going to die, you know? Um, and that's just something that... I just felt so unprepared for it. And I think the reason I'm telling you this is just to keep showing up. We're going to mess up. We're not going to say the right thing all the time. But the more you do this work, the more you surround yourself with the, the work. I share a lot of stuff on my Instagram of accounts that inspire me and keep me motivated to do this work. And um just throughout this last year with COVID, you know, when I was at my rock bottom with my anxiety, I quit my job to stay home with my son, which was not the way that I envisioned life looking for me. Um, Finding some comfort in some of these accounts that helped me turn it around and helped me, you know, dig deep when I was parenting him, you know, a toddler stuck at home, my wits end, um, just to kind of flip the script and to look inward and and heal myself and worry about me first in order to properly show up for my high needs spirited child. I mean, that's the name of the game. And I think just if you can follow some of those accounts that I share and you can engulf yourself in that stuff too, even just having your brain in that mode when these circumstances hit you, when the questions come up where you're like, what the hell do I say right now? Um, that good will spill out, that those lessons that you are internalizing will spill out. It's like that analogy when you're like carrying a, a cup of something or a mug of something and somebody bumps into you. Whatever's inside of your mug is what gets spilled out. So if it's unresolved trauma, if it's wounds, if it's, you know, anger, hostility, frustration, irritation, you know, shame, guilt, things like that. If that's what's in your cup, the second it gets triggered and bumped by your child or by anybody else in your life, that's what spells out. So I guess the work is filling our cup with something better, deciding where those triggers are and doing the internal work to try our best to be the best version, not only for ourselves, but for our kids. Um, Okay, I feel like I've been blabbing forever. So hopefully something in there resonated with you. Again, if you want to DM me um, at grow.up.ig, hit me up on my email at thegrowuppod at gmail.com. Before we get off here, I have a a poem, actually, I guess it's a poem uh, that I wanted to read that I saw online. Um, it was shared by an account, responsive underscore parenting, and it's by Jay Milburn, and it's called I Said Nothing. I tell you, I don't want to be alone. You say, you never want to be alone. You always have to be around people. You'll be fine. I tell you, I feel misunderstood. You say, it's impossible to understand you. Be more understandable. I say, I feel unheard. You say nothing. I yell, I feel unheard. 
you tell me to stop shouting. I scream, I feel unheard. You turn your back and say, no, I will not listen to you when you are screaming at me. I tell you I feel scared. You say, there is nothing to be afraid of. I tell you I feel unsafe. You say, I have always made you feel safe. You have no reason not to feel safe. I wanted to tell you about all the other things that are happening, but every time I tell you how I feel, you say, don't feel that way. So I said nothing. Even though I felt alone, misunderstood, unheard, scared, and unsafe. I read that one a couple days ago, and it just hit me really deep that it's not about the behaviors. It's about what's going on underneath. So if we can show up for ourselves and put the work in for ourselves so that when our children have those big feelings and those big emotions, we don't pass down that inherited trauma and that inherited way of parenting and way of being that we don't feel in line with, if we can just do the work on ourselves, I say just, it's not easy, but if we can really fine tune how we feel on the inside so that we can be that pillar of strength and understanding and acceptance for our children, that is the most important work you could ever do. So I hope when you hear that, it kind of motivates you to see where they're coming from, even when it comes out like a meltdown, even when it comes out, you know, as an 11-year-old kid slamming a door, rolling their eyes, there's more going on there. And if we can take our, our own feelings and take it less personally and show up for our children by doing the work, that's what we're called to do. So hang in there, keep growing up. And again, if you feel like you need to contact me, something struck you during this podcast, I would absolutely love to hear from you. So thanks for being here, everybody. Thanks for being here on my episode one. And I hope you enjoyed the podcast. I will talk to you all next time. Bye.